This is District Sentinel Radio, the newscast of record for the left. I'm Sam Sachs. I'm Sam Knight. We're broadcasting out of the well-fortified Sentinel Bunker, sponsored by the DSA Accelerationist Caucus. Check out the website, districtsentinel.com. Bad news for the Michael Avenatti heads out there. He's formally stopped his campaign for president, said he's not going to run uh, in 2020. I feel like Avenatti heads could expect much worse news about Avenatti than just that at this <laughs> yeah, point. Like it, if, if you're truly a devoted Avenatti fan, this might be a relief for you because now it gives them some time to regroup for 2024. Yeah, yeah get off the train right now too before it gets real bad. Um, I'm not sure there's going to be any regrouping for 2024 for <laughs> yeah, Mr. Avenatti. Hopefully the... someone picks up his mantle of uh, packing the court though. True, we've, uh, true. We've supported that. But the uh, it's looking like the American people have seen Michael Avenatti and they've decided to say, basta. <laughs> well, one creepy dumbass out. Another creepy dumbass uh, likely stepping into the fray. Joe Biden uh, giving an interview overnight saying that uh, he hasn't decided whether or not he's going to run for president. But if he does, he'd be the most qualified candidate ever. Which sounds familiar. I, uh, where, wh- who have I heard that from? Where, before? where did where, you hear that phrase over and over and over again? It, it, it really I, resonated. It, it, it must resonate because it was such a winning message. You know that that must that must be why I remember it because it was such a winning uh, thrust, a, a winning a winning idea. If there's one thing we've learned through the uh, election of Barack Obama. George W. Bush, Trump, like you don't need the qualification. There's a bullshit. What are, what are qualifications to run? You have to be a vice president or something. You have to have been a senator for a long time, a secretary. None of this stuff is applied to any of these previous senators. I mean, Obama was a, a freshman senator One-term for a bit. Senator. Uh, George W. Bush was a governor of Texas, but he, he's everybody just accepted he's a complete oaf. Ar- arguably, you could say that Bill Clinton a, a, was a, go- a governor. He was a yeah. governor. You could say that a governor is more qualified. Yeah, I guess that's what they mean be- by qualified, but. <laughs> Nobody Secretary cares State, about that. The appointed. voters obviously don't care about no, this shit. No, they don't give a shit. So, by the way, I know a lot of uh, sh- shit libs sort of like try to reduce Bernie to being a mediocre white man or whatever. I can't think of more of a mediocre white man than Joe Biden. <laughs> Joe Biden was picked to be vice president by Barack Obama specifically because he is a mediocre yes. white man. Yes. Hard to think of any candidate other than maybe Avenatti, who's not running anymore, that has more baggage than Joe Biden, too, at this point. Yeah. Uh, I I would probably rather have Cory Booker than Joe Biden. Here's a mediocre white guy that I'd vote for. John Dingell. I don't care how old the former (laughs) congressman John Dingell is. He's got a new op-ed in The Atlantic talking about how to fix the U.S. government. He says, quote, there is a solution that could gain immediate popular support. Abolish the Senate. That's John Dingell calling to abolish the Senate. He says, or at a minimum, combine the two chambers into one. Problem will be solved. Sanders Dingell, 2020. Yeah. Et- eternal youth. <laughs> <laughs> we we uh, did a Sentinel cast maybe two months ago, three months ago, where we discussed abolishing the Senate. That's right, with Paul Blessed. Yeah, no, it was with... Uh, yeah, it, was, it was with Paul. Was it with Paul? We may have done it okay. more than once, but yeah, we, we definitely did it with times. Paul. Uh, yeah. Glad well, to see that uh, 
Mr. Dingle's on board with the whole abolishing the Senate. All right. Got to get him to subscribe yeah. to the Singlecast. Definitely. It's Tuesday, December 4th, 2018. Here's the news. <laughs> Here's how desperate the administration is to ratchet up tensions with Iran. President Trump's nominee to lead U.S. Military Central Command testified before the Senate today. Lieutenant General Kenneth McKenzie falsely claimed that the Iranian government is responsible for the ongoing humanitarian crisis in Yemen. It's actually Saudi Arabia who's by far most responsible. Then McKenzie said this about Iran and al-Qaeda in Yemen, a.k.a. al-Qaeda in the Arabian Peninsula. Take a listen. In that area, Iran is not helpful at all. Uh, they fomented and began the, the war that now exists, the civil war that now exists in Yemen that uh, adds an immense suffering to that part of the world and is a, it is a definite factor as we pursue operations against, uh, against ISIS. So if I were to pull back and, and finish by just saying that, that the largest strategic view is we are close to finishing the heart, the physical heart of ISIS. AQ is, is similarly suppressed. It will require continual pressure to prevent them from resurging. In other words, according to McKinsey, Iran is responsible for enabling al-Qaeda in Yemen, a ridiculous claim on its face considering sectarian differences between Iran's Shia theocracy and al-Qaeda's Sunni extremist outlook. McKinsey's testimony is exponentially more ridiculous when considering the headlines from a few months ago. The Associated Press reported in August that the Saudi-led coalition was fighting al-Qaeda militants in Yemen by bribing them. <laughs> Reading now from the AP report, quote, the coalition cut secret deals with al-Qaeda fighters, paying some to leave key cities and towns and letting others retreat with weapons, equipment, and, and wads of, of uh, looted cash. Hundreds more were recruited to join the coalition itself. These compromises and alliances have allowed al-Qaeda militants to survive to fight another day, the report continued, and risk strengthening the most dangerous branch of the terror network that carried out the 9-11 attacks. Key participants in the PACs said the U.S. was aware of the arrangements and held off on any drone strikes. End of quote. There's one consistent piece of U.S. foreign policy for decades, and that's basically looking the other way or explicitly funding al-qaeda <laughs> yeah yeah from uh jimmy carter through to trump it's uh it's, it seems pretty consistent now this isn't to say that we should be worrying about al-qaeda attacks or that these uh lack of u.s drone strikes is is evidence that the u.s should be conducting more drone strikes in yemen it's just that the administration should probably shut the fuck up about claiming iran supports or helps al-qaeda in any way Especially when it runs cover for the Saudis, who, uh, last I checked, they basically did 9-11. The Saudis, they basically did 9-11. Yeah. 15 out of 19 of the hijackers, ties to charities with close ties to the, uh, to the Saudi government, et cetera, et cetera. You know the score by now. By the way, one more thing on this, since we brought up U.S. drone strikes in Yemen. Last month, the AP also found that dozens of Yemenis were killed this year alone by American drone strikes. 30, one-third of fatal casualties, were confirmed civilians. And the Trump administration has already conducted more drone strikes in Yemen in two years than President Obama did in eight. I'm old enough to remember when Trump was the anti-war president, according to shitheads like Michael Tracy and other idiots online that we should all probably ignore. 
Seems like every day there's a new lawsuit against Trump's Environmental Protection Agency, and today is no different. The whiff of corruption around the agency didn't leave with its former administrator, Scott Pruitt. In fact, it's only gotten stronger under its new chief, former coal lobbyist Andrew Wheeler. The Center for Biological Diversity and Friends of the Earth are suing the EPA, claiming the agency is in violation of the Freedom of Information Act by not releasing records of communications between Wheeler and his former employer and clients at the lobbying firm Fager Baker Daniels. Wheeler worked there for almost 10 years before taking over at EPA. During his confirmation hearing, he promised to steer away from possible conflicts of interest, something that's just essentially impossible since... He lobbied for fossil fuel industries for a decade, and now he's determining policy to regulate those fossil fuel industries. The Center for Biological Diversity's senior counsel said in a statement, quote, Wheeler is crippling environmental protections that inconvenience his old clients. The public needs to know what happened between Wheeler's former employer and the environmental agency he's now running into the ground. The groups filed a Freedom of Information Act request with the EPA for the documents more than seven months ago. More news about Saudi Arabia. Today, CIA Director Gina Haspel finally briefed senators about the Jamal Khashoggi killing. How the briefing itself was conducted is itself newsworthy. It was only available to select number of senators, as is the case with highly sensitive matters. One person who wasn't invited was Kentucky Republican Rand Paul. Paul complained about this to reporters who were waiting to talk to lawmakers coming out of the classified session. I was not notified of the hearing. In fact, I just passed a, a senator or a Democrat senator on the way over here and asked him about it. He had not heard of it. So we're reading about this in the media. So I can't even ask to be included in it because I didn't know it was going to happen. So Paul, not invited uh, because, and he couldn't ask for an invite. He didn't even know this was going on. Didn't even know. Honestly, feel for Paul on this one. I do feel for Paul on this one. Uh, like, for example, here, he's very inarticulate. And gets these definitions pretty wrong. He'd probably uh, fail a first-year college course in in social studies or or history if he offered these definitions. But, damn it, he kind of has a point. The definition of the deep state is when intelligence communities have so much power that there's no oversight. I've been arguing for probably nearly a decade that with intelligence, it's only given to a few people within our system. That's more like an oligarchy. Only eight people. It has nothing to do with Trump. Not everything's about Trump. There are eight people in Congress who get briefings on intelligence. That is not democracy. That is not democratic representation, nor is it democratic oversight. Again, not the correct definition of things, neither the deep state nor oligarchy. <laughs> but uh, Senator Paul is in the right ballpark, and... You kind of got to admire his effort here. Those defending the administration or the secretive oversight process itself argue that this veil of secrecy is needed to preserve intelligence sources and methods, which is a ridiculous argument, as if elected officials are going to explain how we wiretap Saudi officials, as if their constituents and as if uh, members of the press care about this highly technical thing. We know we can wiretap people with, uh, with very penetrating sources and methods. It's more likely that the administration wanted to avoid soundbites like this from its allies in Congress. Here's Senator Lindsey Graham on Saudi Crown Prince Mohammed bin Salman, or MBS. This was just after the briefing. Uh, MBS, the Crown Prince, is a wrecking ball. I think he's complicit in the murder of Mr. Khashoggi to the highest level possible. I think the behavior before the Khashoggi murder was beyond disturbing. 
and I cannot see him being a reliable partner to the United States. Graham also said this changed his outlook on substantive issues. This could have a major impact on foreign policy votes in the Senate. Take a listen to this. I will not look at the kingdom the same way uh, that I used to look at it. I will not support arms sales until all responsible for the death of Mr. Khashoggi have brought, been brought to justice. I will no, yes, and I will no longer uh, support the war in Yemen as constructed. So that's a no on arms sales to Saudi and a no on U.S. support for the war in Yemen from Lindsey Graham, again, a very influential Republican on foreign policy issues. You might have noted there uh, in a little back and forth with the reporter, Graham said he would withhold support for Saudi on arms sales until MBS is brought to justice. Boom. So, uh, I mean, we'll see about that. It wouldn't surprise me if uh, Lindsey Graham flip-flops on this two hours from now. Uh, either way, we could be witnessing a seismic shift on U.S.-Saudi relations here. Better late than never. Yeah, it was just a year ago when lawmakers were putting forward resolutions to block arms sales to Saudi Arabia and were peeling off votes but not getting anywhere near. Just the fact that they were getting a vote was a big deal. Yeah. And now uh, MBS went and showed what a psychopathic killer he is and... Here we are, yeah. a year later. We'll, we'll see where we are in a few days or weeks from now after the lobbyists go to work. True. I mean, we again, True. we are talking about basically the country that did 9-11 and yeah. suffered no consequences for it. Definitely. Finally, a story about market consolidation in the defense industry. So two awful stories combined into one. The Federal Trade Commission formally approved today of Northrop Grumman's $7.8 billion acquisition of defense contractor Orbital ATK, which specializes in making solid rocket motors. In fact, according to the FC, in fact, according to the FTC, it's the premier supplier of solid rocket motors. Northrop Grumman is one of the premier suppliers of missiles, which rely on solid rocket motors. The FTC had initially blocked the acquisition, charging that it was anti-competitive, that after Northrop Grumman acquired Orbital, it would, according to the FTC, have, quote, an incentive and ability to harm competition for missile contracts by either withholding access to its solid rocket motors or increasing solid rocket motor prices to competitors. Well, after a few tweaks, the acquisition has now been approved. Northrop will have to comply with a number of conditions. It can't use discriminatory pricing to sell solid rocket motors. And uh, also, Northrop must separate the operation of its solid rocket motor business from the rest of the company's uh, operations with a firewall. And the Department of Defense will also appoint a compliance officer to oversee Northrop's conduct related to the settlement. I don't know. That seems like a lot of work. Should have just not approved the multi-billion dollar acquisition among defense contractors. Just uh, I, th I, th I think we as socialists should really be making the, the case more, like making very much more of an active case that like government contractors shouldn't exist, <laughs> especially, yeah. especially these huge ass uh, defense contractors, these corporate contractors who just Definitely. make money hand over fist. Yeah, I mean, but, we're not radicals actually for thinking that defense contractors shouldn't exist. I think like Eisenhower didn't think they should exist. Either. Right, right. <laughs> All right. That's the show. We're going to end it there. Call the rant line 202-684-6108. Leave a message. We'll play it on air. Thank you to our sponsor, the Congressional Dish Podcast, hosted by Jen Briney. Find it at congressionaldish.com. The newscast is back tomorrow. We're here in D.C. so that you don't have to be.